This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, it's uh, Aaron. We're back with another Bald Move TV, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. The subset of all TV that we are zooming in on today is Netflix's new uh, cyberpunk film noir series, Altered Carbon, starring Joel Kinnaman. If you wonder where the hell you've seen Joel Kinnaman before, uh, he was uh, the governor from New York, uh, Frank Underwood's rival on the last few seasons of House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in a few other things, but that's the one that uh, I, I most remembered him from. Oh, yeah, he also played uh, Alex Murphy in the updated uh, RoboCop that came out a couple years ago. Uh, and he also had a minor role in Suicide Squad. Uh, but he's the he's the lead he's the lead guy in Altered Carbon. Uh, Jim, what did you think of this television show? Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed my first two episodes with it i That's, think we should say that we are two episodes into ultra Carbon. yeah so if you're thinking during this conversation that we have a holistic view of this thing you'd be wrong um right. we definitely seen- have only seen two episodes and i i'm gonna I, i'm probably gonna say up front that a lot of my criticisms i think of this could potentially be um uh, i guess assuaged by the end uh by by the next eight episodes uh, and I'm hoping they will be because I have a lot of criticisms of the show, but also I think there are a lot of positives about the show as well. Yeah, and that's yeah. I I I have the same kind of thing. Like I'm I don't know because because there's a couple things. Um, well, you know what? I don't even talk about my problems first. I guess let's also talk I, about. Let's say we haven't read the book that this is based on either. Right. Um, which which is what Richard Morgan is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, wrote a, a series of novels about. This uh, Takeshi guy, um, Takeshi Kovacs, and this is the first in the series. Right. It's called Ar- Altered Carbon. Right. Um, yeah, Richard Morgan, as you said. Um, I So the premise of this show is we are some unspecified hundreds of years in the future. There has been a, de- a technology developed called the uh, cervical stack or spinal stack. At minimum, we're like 250 because that's how long yeah. the time jump is at the beginning of this. Yeah, and it's it's a disc that's implanted in your in your spinal column. It's uh, when you're one years old. One year old. It seems comically large to put into yeah. a one-year-old baby. But, that w- you know, would look pretty hilarious. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess you grow into it. Um, uh-huh. And when you die, you can have that stack removed from your body, assuming it's not damaged, mm-hmm. um, and implanted into a new body, which the people refer to as sleeves. Yeah. And there are – it's not something that everyone can afford, but the ultra-wealthy obviously are all in, in this uh, technology, and now they've been able to gain uh, – 
several lifetimes worth of continued wealth and, and success, and and they now live in cities that are literally above the clouds, and everyone else kind of dwells in this dank underbelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, set in San Francisco, it's 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 very Blade Runner. It feels very Blade yeah. Runner. They got the down to the hover cars. And, and the, the animated dancing ladies on the side of the building. And it's always raining, and everyone's yeah. always wearing trench coats. Everything's neon. Um, and there's a lot of interesting... The things that I really like about this is it really explores what that would do to society, to where death is now optional, but the quality of your afterlife, or the possibility of the afterlife... Um, relies entirely on the size of your bank account. It's like the inverse sure. of Jesus, rich man can't get through, can't get it there. A, a camel's more likely to get through an eye of a needle than a rich man into the kingdom of God. Like, mm-hmm. it's the opposite. Poor people um, just get their one short, brutish life, and the rich people live on forever and ever. And, and the more you can, you can, more you can afford, you can have like 24-7 real-time backups of your consciousness through some sort of needle network that mm-hmm. you can also... You don't even have to travel anymore. You can right. get out of bed, go to a needle caster, and suddenly you're now s- strapped into a sleeve that's halfway across the world, or maybe the solar system, or maybe the galaxy, yeah. because it, there is hints that there is extrasolar yeah. uh, travel, although we haven't really seen... Everything's been grounded here on Earth, what we've yeah. seen so far. So far. Um, but there's a lot of interesting explorations of what that would do to people's concepts of bodies and concepts of their integrity, their 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 concept of being, and mm-hmm. and re- what that would do to religious institutions and and societal institutions, and all that stuff is super interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the base concepts that it brings up are very intriguing to me, and I I like I guess that the series is trying to explore those. Uh, we'll talk about maybe how effective it is at doing that later. Um, the the show also looks great. I, yeah, I mean, I we talked about the Blade Runner esque motifs, but it's it's even better, honestly, than like the Blade Runner world because it feels more to me like a super future kind of thing. Yes, everything is so much larger, so much uh, more built up, more extravagant. Uh, those kinds of things, which Blade Runner always seemed big but in a like scaled down sort of way if that makes any sense like like a way that 1980 uh would have thought about right now we're talking about well 2002 for the book uh 2018 for the show so right you know everything is larger than life but in a way that seems like we're kind of heading that that direction yeah and and again it looks like a million dollars uh the first director of the first episode is Miguel Sapochnik which mm-hmm. you'll recognize as one of the darlings from Game of Thrones yeah. some of our favorite episodes directed by him and there's a lot of just striking imagery of like human bodies floating in liquid with umbilical cords attached and just like the the way they've realized the future and crisp you know 4K HD uh, is breathtaking, and, and Miguel knows how to film action. He's also credited as one of the executive producers of the show. Uh, the showrunner itself is uh, Laeta Calagridis, hmm. okay. uh, who you pro- I don't I didn't recognize her name, but you you'll probably recognize a lot of stuff that she's been um, attached to. Like she uh, was the writer of the movie Shutter Island, which we liked a lot. Okay, uh, nice. she's also wrote the script for Alexander, which was the perhaps ill-conceived <laughs> Colin. Uh, Farrell, yeah. Yeah, I almost said Firth, but it had to be a different con. Colin Farrell, uh, Alexander the Great movie. Yeah. She also wrote, she's also worked on some dodgier projects like uh, the television series Birds of Prey, which is meant to be kind of like uh, 
the women of Batman hmm. or Batman um, and the reboot of the Bionic, Bionic Woman. Uh, she also wrote the screenplay for Terminator Genesis, which I haven't even freaking seen. Um, but I mean, like, like. So, so what I'm saying is the 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 show looks good and it's got a decent it it's got a decent pedigree. And I want to talk more about the look of it because I I mean there's so much to talk about here as far as just the aesthetic and and how they you know represent certain things on the screen. Like there's a lot of different, for lack of a better term, realities mm-hmm. in this world that they they go to. So you've got the real world, which is the, you know the really wet uh, metropolis, a la Blade Runner. Then you've got kind of the VR world, which seems to be it, all I've seen of it so far is like a a similarly skinned construct that looks a lot like the real world, mm-hmm. but is kind of envisioned in this really sort of grainy, uh, almost it almost has like a grid like feel to it with the kind of like mo- warped edges and all neon. It's really cool looking. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's. Is that the VR? Because the V that when we were introduced that that's that was uh, you know a poor person from Bay City, right? Like, like I'm wondering is if that that's better the state VR? of the art, or is that just because it even looked like it was slightly duct taped together? And yeah, so it I, could be, yeah, because there's a lot of intentional like you, you can kind of gauge the tech the 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 age of the technology based on like you know how gritty and and modern versus how futuristic and floaty it all looks, although. Yeah. There's also some curious things about like technological stasis. For example, the spinal discs, the stacks from 250 years ago, don't really look any different than the ones, the modern ones. So, like, True. has that yeah. technology just not improved? It seems like it because Kovac, Kovac, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he comes back after his 250 year stasis, he seems remarkably versed in the tech. Yes, like he's he's not super familiar. I think he's a great protagonist and a great like proxy for the audience right. because he's not super familiar with the ways that culture has changed in those 250 years but right. he is very familiar with the tech yeah so so we can kind of like both catch up to speed to his speed and also use him to catch up to speed of the universe that yeah so creating. so it's there's also some interesting blend of some other science fiction concepts like they they it seems like there is a little bit of the firefly where the protagonist was a hero of a doomed social revolution, mm-hmm. you know, Malcolm Reynolds rebelling Brown against Gates, yeah. the Confederation, uh, and the, this uh, Kovacs characters rebel. He was a UN super soldier that it seems like was fighting against the. I don't know because we just we found in his latest episode he also worked for Protectorate, but I guess he rebelled and tried to fight against the culture that he wakes up to, which is mm-hmm. essentially the rich. Meths, which are based on Methuselah, the concept of the man who lived in the Bible for 969 years, yeah, um, that live in this clouds and kind of rule over this permanent underbelly um, of just, you know, schlubs. Yeah. Uh, but they they haven't really fleshed all that out. Uh, there's also a little bit of, like, uh, this character, uh, Falconer, uh, who reminded me a lot of the... Uh, Shimi, I think, is her character from Cloud Atlas, where she, you know she was like this revolutionary figure that inspired a lot of people against this kind of oppressive neo noir Blade Runner future. Um, I, as I, there's there's a lot of like remixing of these ideas, and I don't even know if they're remixing because Altered Carbon came out in 2002. I don't know when Cloud Atlas came out. Like some of the stuff, I might be that they they, they might have gotten the idea from Altered Carbon and not the other way around. Right. Um, 
But that's the thing is like it's it feels almost premature to to talk about our overall feelings because some of these these questions and yeah. you, you, we might have is is it could be answered in, in further episodes. But it's weird right, to me exactly. that they're always talking about oh this is the latest tech and this and oh that's old outdated emoted tech and but then yet the core technology is indistinguishable. Yeah, like I kind of wish that they had made the old stacks look a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, like even in Westworld, the first generation robots look different than. Well, I mean, the second, right. the, the the current generation robots are completely organic. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you would think the tech would improve on that. What do you think of Joel Kinnaman himself as? Uh, uh, he's a Humphrey Bogart come Blade Runner Harrison Ford guy. He's not particularly exciting in the role, but I think he's good for it. Yeah. Yeah. He brings like a flat effect and a wariness that I think I guess is I guess is believable. Yeah, totally. Um, I I kind of think I might have liked the Asian guy that they had in the beginning, who is Takeshi mm-hmm. Kovach. Right. Um, I think I might have liked him more in the role. Mm. He he had a little bit more like fire to him, personality yeah. wise. Yeah. Uh, but all we saw him, and also like the same qualities that I think the the noir side of it needed. But right. Yeah, all we saw of him was that one gun battle. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's like it's it's he had a lot more fire to him, but then again, like all of his flashbacks in, have been yeah. extended military sequences, right? Um, but the other thing is, I kept on I I like the idea that it seems like this uh, Takeshi character has this cachet about him because he's got this devil may care attitude about his own death, like he's constantly just flippantly like, well, if you don't like me, put me back in cold storage. Mm-hmm. Because for reasons that are not clear to us yet, I should guess the the framing aspect of this is this rich Methuselah by the name of uh, Bancroft has been murdered in such a way that I guess he is one of the wealthy that can afford real-time uh, consciousness backups on yeah. the needle net. Uh, and he has been murdered in a 48-hour window because I guess it takes that. That's how often the backups occur. Yeah. He was murdered 15 minutes before that window was supposed to happen, and there was an attempted breach into the his the private resurrection network mm-hmm. to delete, like to to essentially permanently delete him. And so he has no memory of the la- of, of the the previous 48 hours leading up to his death. And he's hired uh, 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 Kovacs to go and investigate his death. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why he decided to go back and get what they call these envoys, these UN super soldiers. Like, why would he go back for someone 250 years old? Uh, yeah, it seems like these super soldiers have not since been duplicated, right? Right. Like, maybe they decided that was a bad idea, and they've never again made them. So he has some special abilities that a lot of others don't. Like, That's he can true. see through walls. He has this, like, intuition. Well, Joel can't. I mean, or, uh, the, the current Kovacs can't see through walls. It's tough to tell. Like he's got this intuition that allows him to perceive things before they he happen. He does have that certainly. That, and then um, the other superpower he's got, and which doesn't seem like it's going to manifest this because, uh, or maybe, maybe, maybe it will. Maybe Joel Kinnaman dies next episode. But mm-hmm. the other special ability is they were designed to be able to go sleeve to sleeve to sleeve without suffering any ill effects. Most people. Oh, do, is that true? Yeah, most people that do that, I guess, go insane because of the you know. There's so so the ultra rich clone their own bodies so they right. can go back again and again and again without suffering any ill effects. 
Uh, but these guys were conditioned and trained to go sleeve to sleeve without having hmm. okay. n- n- any issue. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be useful if you're going to cast a handsome yeah. star <laughs> and build a series around. They're like, oh, one of his abilities is he can jump body to body. Here's the thing about this show, though. At the very beginning, the very first thing the show tells you is trust nothing you see, yeah. trust nothing you hear, let the experience wash over you in a wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess I'm, I'm going to try and sit back and let let that happen. Uh, right. but, but that's the thing. Like I, there's a scene in there in the second episode where uh, the wife of Bancroft comes to seduce Kovach for some unknown reason. For some un- unknown reason, yeah, yeah. But she just appears in his hotel room, and I'm thinking, why do you trust that this is who they say they are? Right. Because there's nothing that would stop. There, there are clones of her out she there. Cross sleeved. Right. She could be cross sleeved. She could be just sleeved in in Double somebody sleeved. else, like triple sleeved. Who knows what you can do? And she's hiding behind seven proxies with the sleeves. <laughs> Right, I just I would not trust anything I see, and the show is telling me that. So I honestly am not sure I'm supposed to believe that, especially when they zoom out and show some mysterious figure after it. Yeah, I've I have asked myself that a lot. Like, it's hard for me to turn off that part of my brain. It's like every time I see someone, I'm like, is this an AI? Is this a clone? Is this like what is considered a person in this world? And and why don't the people in the world react in that way? Because that would be a constant concern for you, yeah. living in a society where you can't tell if visibly if someone is who they say they are. Right. Like, right now we're entering an era where it's going to be trivially easy to fabricate audio and video evidence. Sure. And there's already a lot of smart people like, wow, I mean, what 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 are you going to do when you need specialist training to analyze footage to see digital fuckery? Mm-hmm. And are the people that need to believe the experts when they say this is fake and this is real going to actually believe that? Well, this is in a world where someone can look like anyone. Yes. Or no one. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's this, these things called AI, and I'm not sure if they're robots or they're holograms or they're a fusion of those technologies. or And, and I, I'm – yeah, every time this guy b- bumps into something, I'm like, that seems the obvious question to ask. How do I know I'm yeah. really talking to you? How do I know that, you know, when he's investigating this one particular guy who's got this particular maybe means and motive to hurt Bancroft, like, how does he know that that's not just someone has hijacked into this guy's body and right. he's a corporate business rival and this guy gets 5,000 death threats per year? Um, yeah, and the show initially sets up that concept that you can't trust anything you see or hear right so it it, it runs the potential I, I think it avoids that by just kind of ignoring the concept that it initially sets up yes so far anyway but it runs the potential of doing a mr robot season two in my mind which is confusing who is who and what is real to the point where the audience tunes out and doesn't care because they can't tell yeah so Luckily, or unfortunately, however you look at it, um, the show seems to ignore the initial concept that it sets up, yeah. at least up to episode two. Maybe that will change in subsequent episodes. Yeah, I. so I, I don't know if we want to talk about – if we want to continue talking about the phil- philosophical questions of this show because to me – I wanted to talk about the other realities, quote-unquote realities in here okay. because there's a lot of stuff. There's, there's the VR, then there's the AR, which is kind of the drug, drug-esque sort of – coding i guess that they put into stacks via like eye injection or something uh-huh because um, he buys this whole backpack full of drugs essentially which i think are different software programs designed to fuck you up in different ways uh-huh 
um, which I thought was really cool, both the visual representation of it and the concept of it, which is, hey, we can just, you know, inject this code into your thing, make you feel something weird for a while, and then she can come up, the, the police officer can come up with a thing and just block all that, yeah. and you're back to normal. Because right. it's not actually physically happening Happen- to you as yeah, yeah. code, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, okay, go ahead, because I also want to talk about the religious stuff, too. Uh, and then the the one other kind of reality thing they're dealing with here is the memories. And I think they weave the memories of this character in really, really well. Um, they they always sort of use the memory of who, whoever this woman is that was, I guess, his instructor, like some kind of trainer of his and probably also a love interest, I assume, uh, given that he doesn't he doesn't want to live without her. Um, the, the, the way that they kind of have her goading him on essentially to just keep living even mm-hmm. and finish this mission, uh, throughout the first two episodes, Which we I still don't know really good. what the mission is exactly. Not quite. And also I'm um, guessing that like the other thing I got, I don't know that this is true, but I think that her voice that we keep hearing is the, the physical manifestation of what these um, ah shit, what's the name of that? The envoys, uh, the envoys, uh, precognition or intuition they refer to it. Yeah, where like they can kind of they're they're they've explained it like that they're so perceptive and they get access to information across so many like subliminal bands and they they're just so uh, uh, plugged in and in tune of what they're doing that they can kind of predict what's going to happen Mm -hmm. like he he can see like a guy shifting his shifting his weight and then he has this like kind of flash forward of him throwing the table at him and he's prepared for it now um but i don't know they also mentioned that this uh his his current body has got uh enhanced combat capabilities which they haven't the his first body like yeah it could see through walls and it could do all kinds of crazy shit right Uh, they haven't really demonstrated what special abilities it has other than maybe he's stronger yeah but you can't really tell no, and there are people certainly who are stronger than him, even. Yeah, uh, yeah with like, exoskeletons. Yeah, and this dude, this one dude, big, second episode, stress, and he's like the second coming of Bane, right? And uh, I, yeah. So the uh, before we talk about some uh, other things, I want to talk about the neo Catholics. Yeah, yeah. So this is a religious branch who four hundred. So at least again, Ta, uh, is the name's Ta? What's his name? Takeshi. Takeshi Kovacs. So he's from 250 years in the past. That's mm-hmm. when his faction was defeated. Uh, and so I'm assuming that there, maybe it's 100 years beyond that is, is you know, like that, that, that's 100 years past when our, mm-hmm. you know, so like we're 350 years into the future. There's a branch of Catholicism called Neo-Catholics where they have altered the program of their stack to where they, can no, they can't be recalled because they feel like they have souls and, you know, when you get re-sleeved, you're essentially subverting God's will, which is all well and good. I just don't know. I don't I don't I wish they would explain how that religious order is able to survive. It seems like everyone who believed that way would have died out and been replaced well, new, by generations. But there are new converts all the time. Right. Like they, they talk about how um, somebody somebody was converted, the daughter of. Of the woman, the the woman who fell mm-hmm. from the sky in episode mm-hmm. two, right? Mm-hmm. She was a, a convert to that religion. Yeah. And so when she converted, she had that code installed. Yeah. So do you, it's, it's, so I guess 
is it more of like a lower class, upper class thing? It's like the low, like the lower class people don't have a hope for a resurrection, essentially, or not a real, not a, not a real one. So it's kind of like the same thing in, in Christ day. Like you know, you've got this divide between the rich and the poor. So the poor people cling to this idea. It's like, oh well, even if we could be resurrected, we wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure if they're yeah. getting towards that or not, or this is supposed to be something because it just is. It just seems very hard for me to believe that 350 years into a future where people are like living forever and resleeving at will, and like death is a weird. Like, people are charged for organic damage because mm-hmm. the true death is, like, very hard to administer. And it's almost like it seems like it's something that the state decides. Like, well, you did you fucked up so bad, you can't come back. Yeah. Uh, it seems odd to me that these people would have a religious institution that essentially says that that's, I don't know. Yeah, and when they threaten, like, real death to people who double sleeve or whatever, uh-huh. it's like, Takeshi Kovach didn't warrant real death? Right. He was a fucking terrorist, according to you. Right. What are you talking about? And you're going to let him out after 250 years on parole? Yeah, I, I, I would really like to know. <laughs> yeah, I really like to. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you know, that's bound up in the question of, like, why is Bancroft doing this? Why did he select him? Sure. Why is his disc? But why was he around to select yeah, him? Yeah, why was, was his disc question. in the prison system instead of yeah. in a glass box for the. Instead of destroyed and melted down, you know? Right, but they also had all Slagged. those. They had all those uh, discs from all the other envoys or yeah. in, like, this big case in the, you know, Which envoy was rebellion. Kind of a horrifying sight. I, I thought that was a particularly strange striking image yeah because all of each of those represents a, a body right yeah 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 and and it's I, I don't know just that that small space with that many dead bodies in it essentially. no it reminded it actually i got the same feeling of like when i, I i've seen churches like and mass like, graves or something yeah, i've seen like yeah. churches and catacombs in europe where all the masonry is done in human skulls yeah and you look up as like every one of those is a person who's walking around with their thumbs up their asses like <laughs> right. breathing breathing oxygen and putting out co2 and yeah, like there's, there's something horrific about where a whole person lived and breathed. There's this not as tiny little memento of them. It's like when they um, in war movies where they collect the dog, dog tags, ta- yeah, yeah, and yeah, they, a pile they of dog pi- tags, put them in a pile. Yeah, it's same same kind of deal. So that's that's some cool that's some cool stuff. What it a, is, yeah. Whether whether uh, I mean, I just have so many questions about the concepts it raises, and I I want to frame what what I would normally frame as objections to. Uh, or, or I guess, like disappointments in the series, mm-hmm. in the term of questions, because okay. at this point I'm not through the series yet, yeah. and I want to give it a little more benefit of the doubt. But I have so many questions about sleeving and yeah. the consciousness. Like, what? <laughs> a, what good is a biometric safe that this Bancroft guy's talking about when there are the concept of clones and sleeves out there? Well, and the, also he, somebody could just sleeve into one of his clones and open his biometric safe. Also, uh, Kovacs uses as payment in this AI hotel his own blood, and I'm like, yeah. Well, the fuck. I mean, I guess they re-register the DNA when you get re-sleeved, mm-hmm. but that seems like, which uh, I mean, it makes sense because like black market sleeves, it'd be tougher to get those legitimized, right. I guess. Right, right, right. For people, but I'm, I'm saying like that technology has to exist, and it's like you know that's. It's just the same thing. It's like if anyone can be anything, then how in the hell do you have an idea of digital signatures and, like, all this other stuff? I I don't know how any of this stuff could possibly work. Or, or like, this idea that you could ever actually fully kill, like, a meth. Because this Mm -hmm. meth, who has been around for 360 years or whatever, uh, Bancroft, has so much money at this point that he's able to upload his consciousness to a satellite location uh, every 48 hours. Now. Why would he allow his full only backup of his consciousness to be on 
a network that could be accessed externally. Why not restrict it to physical access only and keep it locked in his biometric safe? Like, yeah, it, don't allow people to hack your system from a remote location if it's right. literally like you that they would be hacking and killing. I think. I think we have that tech today. That's what I say. It's like, like, like Iron Mountain, thing. right? Like, yeah. like if you've got your backup and it's and uh, and it's only and it's only something that. That, it, it, that it's mission critical and it's something that's connected to the internet, then it's at risk. Yes. So we have this concept called it's it's a company and there's others like it, Iron Mountain, where they actually come and physically pick up your tapes, your hard drives, or whatever your backup medium is, and then ships that someplace where it's disconnected and it's climate controlled. Yeah. And it's got you know all kinds of redundant. And sometimes sometimes they'll ship it to different regional centers just to protect it from like yeah. nuclear. Like make hundreds and hundreds of copies, ship it's, them it's around always, to different planets. But that's the thing. Like, like, so I'm an IT professional. You're an IT professional. We know that. But, like, 99% of people probably don't think about But, I mean, things. it's trivial to – it is trivial. Why don't Why don't the people in the the bottom class, I guess, of, of what world we're talking about here have their own backups? Because it is trivially inexpensive even in modern-day America, modern-day planet Earth. I know. To back up all of your data. Yeah. You can spend $50 and you yeah. can just fucking do it. Yeah. Now, I understand that is don't. that is out of range of some people. I get right. it. But the vast majority of people can afford that. Right. If it was your consciousness, if it was your life we're talking about and you don't spend $50 to back that up. The, so, I'm going to I'm going to make that devil's argument. It's already super stupid to not back up your family photos and your tax returns mm-hmm. and all these other stuff. And as you just pointed out, there are turnkey solutions that are in reach of most Americans, and yet 99% of Americans <laughs> don't do that. But it's not a matter of life or death. That's the difference. Your house burns down, and mm-hmm. you lose every bit of every archive that you, uh, of, that's not on It's a sad thing. I get that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just think the people are so cavalier. But it's not your existence. It's not an existential do, thing. Do you have a will? No. Do you have life insurance? No, but that's not going to preserve me. Right, but I'm saying like there's th- those are equally kind of like no-brainer things that everyone should have that is thought about their mortality at all, and yet you don't, and you're a smart person, and you have a realistic assessment of risks and dangers. I'm just saying like maybe they're saying that majority of people aren't that careful. That doesn't apply. I've never, I've never that had doesn't a apply to Bancroft. To. Bancroft sure. has 100 people worrying about sweating these details for him. It, it should just be. But, but um, I don't know why there is this lower class that is – seen as having having a backup of their consciousness completely out of range because that right. technology is just getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. No, you're right. I mean, the, the thing is, like, the only argument I think is, like, it would break the story they're trying to tell. Like, it would if, be a commodity. It would You would go down to a fucking Starbucks equivalent and get your right. consciousness dropped into another pod right. and store that at home or store that at a friend's house. But like, I could be persuaded that if we go through the Jim Jones... Uh, no-brainer solution here. We cannot tell the story that we're trying to tell. Right, right. So now I want to talk about an unforced error. Okay. <laughs> we go. This is this is uh, this this falls under the category of like um, I, I talked about in uh, Battlestar Galactica of like you know what's cool staying up for twenty four hours. What's cooler mm-hmm. staying up for seven fucking days under constant Cylon attack like. The unth degree to make it super fucking impressive. There's a lo- there's a couple of low key uh, examples of that in this storytelling. For example, the AI hotel. For whatever reason, they give a couple of reasons. The AI hotels have fallen out of favor because they get, you know, too 
to attach their human hosts and they're like a possessive girlfriend and maybe yeah. they don't like it's a like hotel in California you can check out but you can't ever leave. Um, whatever, whatever. To the extent that the hotel that um, Kovacs checks into has not had a paying customer in 50 years. Yeah. Now, this place is lavish. This place is fancy. This place is consuming a well shit maintained. ton. Well maintained. It doesn't look dirty or dusty or abandoned or sketchy at all. Uh, and how? How? <laughs> if this was Where a virtual thing, like if he, had, if he had plugged into some – if he had like yeah. gone into a coffin and put – some glasses on and all this happened fine but like some of that stuff is like i and when he goes like why couldn't he had said i haven't had a paying customer in six months because this is a, a recent thing that's happened the ai the, you know there was a f- famous ai hotel that murdered some people and now people aren't checking in like i mm-hmm. believe that that this place is running out of capital but how the fuck does this ai guy stay in business for 50 years without any income i mean that doesn't make any sense no, no one made. I, I him. agree with you. the The only explanation I could possibly come up with is the two hundred previous years were pretty lucrative. I yeah, you know, yeah. like they've been banking for a while, and then well, maybe but, cl- maybe close your shit down, then dude, yeah, and and, yeah. and go hit the A because there's also like oh, this co- I really love this. Yeah, this AI community, the AI community where they're talking about they're like different business ventures. Yeah, and this is cool. Maybe this maybe Poe is just a really good gambler. He takes these guy he and, and yeah. he likes running his hotel and he likes people and he's hoping they come back. <laughs> Maybe because the other AIs are openly talking about exploiting humans, and I think, yeah, like making snuff films out of them and uh, yeah, of their experiences. I, yeah. I think that's the hint of the one guy. He's essentially like they're not spelling it out, which mm-hmm. may, I don't know because this show is not shy about you know extreme violence and sexuality. Um, no, the, the AI stuff. Um, I can't tell at this point if it is sort of an undercover, like, behind-the-scenes thing that's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. where the AI is starting to turn on the humans mm-hmm. or or if this is something the humans know about and it's just part of an accepted right. societal thing. Right, right. Uh, either way, I find it super fascinating, and yeah. I hope they explore it more. Right. Yeah, I, but there's a couple of other um, things like that. Uh, what was the other thing that really bugged me? Uh, you, you talked about the one, which is like that might be a storytelling necessity. There is the mm-hmm. AI well, has been in the hotel like, for fifty years. There's uh, where where do sleeves come from? Yeah, cause because because like... they so they early on um, like at the near the very beginning of this show they mm-hmm. set up the idea that the government has sleeves that they give to criminals once their time is served um, or once they go on parole and you just kind of get the sleeve that you're given. And mm-hmm. they, they use the example of a seven-year-old girl who's put into the body of, like, a 60-year-old woman, and her parents are really dismayed that that was the sleeve she got. Because she was in a hit-and-run accident by a drunk driver, and the state's got, a like, a free right. resleeving program. And this it's is like a welfare program for this, this sleeveless is the, This is the scratch-and-dent sleeve that you get, like, you know. Right. But where do those sleeves come from? Because I would think there would be, if anything, a shortage of sleeves compared to the number of stacks that they have I think at that, any given that, time. Yeah, but that just goes to show you how expensive the whole receiving process is. So I think they, right, they mentioned that, like... where did they get like, that sleeve? Where did they get prisoners, that old lady's sleeve? Prisoners. I think when, you get, when you're a prisoner, they download your, your stack and save it in storage, and then they take your body and give it to somebody. But here's the problem with that. Stacks don't degenerate. Right. Human bodies do. Right. So you inevitably come up against the idea of a massive 
sleeve storage or sleeve shortage. I think that I think so you have to manufacture sleeves. Yeah, right? they are. They, they get absolutely. Clones. So, <laughs> but the government is not producing clones. How do you know that? At least we haven't seen it yet. Um, so. I'm going off the first two episodes. And if they are producing clones, why are they using these old busted ass recycled clones to give to? Or recycled. Uh, well, they mentioned that cloning is hideously expensive, which is the other. Right. That's the other kind of Battlestar problem is they introduced Bancroft's personal clone stash, mm-hmm. and it's literally like a ten-story silo of hundreds and hundreds of copies of him and his wife. Yeah. Which, why the fuck would you need that many clones? Spun up and ready, like like they're they're ready to go at a moment's notice. I don't know. I mean, for whatever reason, that's like Hussein's. Like, it's He's like one of those it. things. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if he if we went into like 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 one Tony Stark style room. It's a rotunda, and it's got like sixteen copies of him. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But you know what's cooler? A rotunda twenty stories tall. <laughs> died. It's got a thousand of his copies. Like, yeah, I don't know. The Some only of this stuff can, just seems a little goofy. The only thing I can think on that end is that he's using this needle cast thing pretty often. Right. And so he's got to have his clones distributed around the galaxy or whatever. But why would they be in this silo? Like, yes, that, that well, would... Maybe he's, like, You need a Tony Stark and, rotunda on every planet. Right. And in every continent, why the fuck would you have a giant rotunda in the middle of San Francisco? Yeah, you wouldn't want to manufacture them and then ship them. Or, shit, maybe it's less expensive to do that. I don't know. Maybe. There, there are some weird economies. You think you could, like, send the on. DNA information and just needle cast over there. But, like, it, there's right, a lot of those... I would also think that you could make a radio here cheaper than in China. China and plus shipping, right? That's like, true. That's true. You just never know. You know, that's that's the thing. It's like I'm not. Like, I, I like what you said. It's like I'm not necessarily being critical of this concept. I'm just saying some of this stuff doesn't make sense in the world building, yeah. and uh, maybe they'll have satisfying explanations for all that, or maybe this will because like. I remember there's a lot of questions out about the economics of like the world of the expanse that they didn't start yeah. delving into and until season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is. Definitely something I'm oh, worried about. Me too. Me too. Especially after these first two episodes. Uh, the other concept, which I find completely ludicrous, mm-hmm. is the idea that there is any physical money, physical currency of any kind floating around in this yes. in this century. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, dude, we're on the cusp of getting rid of digital or a physical currency right now right. in the real world. Right. Come on, 350 years in the future, we're still plastic bills into a stripper into machine, into a fucking rolling thing that pulls them into a mechanic. No, yeah, no, we're we're looking into something. It's measuring our eye and it's taking the money out, or that, that feels... or the DNA thing, like right. And so there, some of this stuff is like any fiction that's written before the last 10 years seems like it dramatically underestimated this internet thing. Yeah. And like how that will be like 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 what kind of societal impact that would have, and the facilitation of like digital transfers of currency and cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But like, two thousand two is right on the edge where like, dude, you should have seen <laughs> which way the wind was blowing. Uh-huh. Like, why the fuck would you have would you have a digital medium to transfer money when you could just have like some kind of thing implanted in your wrist, or maybe it's even tied to your fucking stack? Yeah. You know, because uh, that thing seems like a great, unique identifier. Like, sure you know, does. there's <laughs> lots of different sleeves, but you only have the one stack. Mm-hmm. Um, and except, the other... unless, unless you can do uh, what, what they call it, twin jet, twin sleeve. Well, or dual also sleeve needle or... casting, right? He's yeah. got to have multiple stacks to do that. I guess that's true. Yeah, so you they'd all be, they'd probably another. all be uniquely identified. Yeah, I would think uh, so. Hardware identification. 
Yeah, but I, uh, no. I, I, other... As far as your as far as your shortage of sleeves, I feel like that. Um, I don't know. Like it seems like there's an unlimited demand, but they're so expensive, uh, and there's a limited supply that only the wealthy can have them. So I feel like since everyone is mandatory to have these stacks implanted in them at the age of one, and like say only a few percentage of humanity can actually afford to have them. You're going to have an, you're going to have a near unlimited supply of sleeves available between jail and people getting sick mm. and people getting going brain. Of course, I guess if you're brain dead, then that sleeve is, is busted. But well, I mean like every time somebody dies, a sleeve is lost. Every time somebody is born, a sleeve is gained. So I guess the birth yeah. rate must be significantly higher than the death rate. But mm. I, I mean, I don't know. We've spread across the galaxy essentially at this point. So right. There are plenty of he- sleeves out there, human beings. Right. Maybe AIs like kidnap humans off the street and jack their sleeve. You know, like <laughs> uh-huh. that seems like if you're making making VR snuff films, then. But uh... the other glaring omission, and I feel like maybe in 2002 you wouldn't have seen this coming, but the, just the automation, the lack of automation in this society is astonishing. Yeah, because it. It's something, you know, we harp on here a lot at Bald Move, and we discuss it a lot because it is happening, and automation is going to take over large swaths of our economy within the next 10 years, 20 years. Yeah, you got flying cars that are flown by individuals. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's what's going to date, you know, near future tech in the next 10 years. Like, if you've got a car, if you got someone driving a car and they're not some kind of outlaw uh-huh. or throwback to a bygone like 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 a if fucking... they don't hack the car and put their own diy steering wheel on yeah. it yeah like like then... seeing seeing a guy driving their own car would be like seeing somebody in one of those massive front wheeled bicycles and a top hat <laughs> like you might see it in portland right. yeah you know uh-huh. <laughs> you might see it down in austin but that's certainly not going to be something you remark upon seeing like dear yeah. god someone is in the driving and he looks like he has a wheel in his hand right uh, and, and yeah. the fact that we're 20 years out from that taking over essentially all of transportation and then right. going 350 into the future and right. none of it has happened and you still at have all. people sleeping floors and you yeah. still got people it's just completely missing the boat on the automation stuff uh but you know 2002 it wasn't quite the thing it is now. Right. And, you know, the other thing is, like, fantasy doesn't have this problem because you can always right. hand wave to, like, magic. Like, sure. It's been often remarked on that George Martin's walls are, like, preposterously tall. Like, there's some, uh-huh. he describes them as, like, I don't know, 700 feet tall. And when the d- digital effects guys uh, on Game of Thrones showed them their mock-up of the wall, he's like, Jesus Christ, that thing is huge. He's <laughs> like, actually, George, it's half the size you said it was in the book. <laughs> like, there's this, there's this, this, like, but no one... Ask like, my God, how in the world did these guys 10,000 years ago build this giant ice wall? Well, it's probably magic. Yeah. You know, there's like all this like, but science fiction, it's the science and the fiction that always fucks you because you've right. got to come up with a plausible, you know, you don't have to explain how it works. Like the Enterprise has a structural integrity field uh, uh, to explain Heisenberg how it can, it can zoom around. Like, like it's, right. it's got like some bullshit sci-fi thing that like at least lets you know that, hey, we've thought about this. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And the more – and there's, there's, this, there's this value you can get caught on where if you don't address it all, it's a plot hole. And if you address it too much mm-hmm. and too detailed, then people start poking holes in it. There's this like 
like like vaguely plausible zone that you got to stay in. You got to lampshade it. <laughs> yeah, and altered carbon feels like it's all over the map. Like it's 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 world building and not giving a fuck about whether it makes sense, and it's world building and then over explaining some things. And I think like that's yeah. that's a danger. But again, I'm not ready to throw. I'm not ready to to throw it in the wood chipper because it's possible there are clever solutions to all that. Or it could be also the price of admission. Like if you want right. to enjoy this particular yeah. type of story, because it, you know, it keeps on like if you if you go down like I'm, if my suspension disbelief crashes a little bit more, I'm going to start asking questions like, how the fuck do you kill this wealthy guy? In because he was in the middle of a business deal in like a wealthy district when he got killed. Where are the cameras? Mm-hmm. How can no one have seen the last moment? There, you just showed me a fly. Mm-hmm. That is is tailing this like why wouldn't a guy like that have an army of these flies? It's unobtrusively films everything Follows for this very constantly. reason, right, yeah. right, right. But then you're talking, oh well, an EMP could take those out, right? You know? like, like, if, like, why is he on a 48 hour window on backups? Why isn't this yeah. thing like if you can back up this guy's existence in a finite period of time, uh, then why isn't this constantly backing up all the time? Mm-hmm. But it's like I feel like the answers of that are like I was alluding to. If it worked that way, this plot couldn't be told. Sure. It's kind of yeah. like before cell phones were invented, there's whole whole types of horror films and mystery films and spy thrillers that just aren't possible. Right. Like you can't tell half of the shit that James Bond was able to get away. You can't do half of the stuff you can in, in old horror films because the reality is everyone's got a device that can summon police yeah. within several minutes and tracks your location to the nearest three meters and, and mm-hmm. can also take high-resolution video <laughs> and pictures. And what happened to the grainy pictures of Bigfoot since cell phones are technical? Where are the crisp 1080 pictures, <laughs> motion-stabilized pictures of Bigfoot? Yeah, We had all kinds of shitty grainy ones, uh, but now that we've got the ability to perfectly record our surroundings, suddenly there's no no pictures of Bigfoot. What the fuck? The Bigfoot suit technology hasn't caught up with the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Why did miracles stop happening when we were able to take pictures and record things? Like, I, there's, there's, there's those, those hoary kind of limits to these science fiction worlds that if you stop and think about it, they don't make any sense. But if you, yeah. you know, how else are you going to tell the story? And that's the thing. I, I actually think this show... Um, if you disregard like how you think the world would have changed in actuality versus mm-hmm. how it has in this universe that they've created, it does some really strong world building stuff. Yeah. I think they, they use the screen time uh, in the first couple of episodes to really establish a strong, uh, a strong universe. And the sleeving stuff is some of the best stuff they do. I think like there are other things around the edges that they don't do quite as well, but mm-hmm. I feel like when they came up with this concept of sleeving, um and the stacks they kind of put a lot of thought into it mm-hmm. right up front uh so that's definitely the strongest part of the show which is kind of the central the central theme of the show as well so yeah that's good yeah no that's you're right and and like part of me the other uncomfortable truth is i feel like that this show treads on a lot of same ground the westworld does mm-hmm. westworld is just a slower more thoughtful take on that and it still yeah. had problems but like if, if 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 this movie was made two years ago i think i would have had a lot less reservations because i'd just be so hungry for something that is pondering these issues it's like you know fuck it i don't care what what are the problems like this is stuff that people kind of need to to see and think about yeah because uh, that's the other one of the jobs of science fiction is make you contemplate the problems of tomorrow before they get there so that we're not just like completely 
oblivious to what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's one of the weird things is like I feel like automation and 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 ai has grown like has gone from like oh you know these fucking robots will never beat us playing the chess to like they're going to be running our lives in the space of a single generation and we just weren't prepared yeah, for that absolutely we weren't prepared to wake up in the morning and see through po's watching us jerk off or whatever like we weren't yeah. we weren't ready for that to happen as quickly as it looks like it's going to happen mm-hmm. and, and i don't see um a lot of stuff a lot of novels a lot of fiction being written about automation yet yeah and i'm kind of curious when that's going to happen because like you look at automation we were talking about this earlier and Mm. a world in which automation has taken over is not Mm. a very compelling uh, narrative right yeah because it almost entirely excludes human beings now i i think in my mind the the compelling thing there is how human beings react to it Mm -hmm. and how we try to get along with it and and you know sort of bend it to our will um what what's the politics around it because Otherwise, it's just like these computers doing lightning fast things that humans can't even perceive Cause, perfectly. Because like, you know? I, I, after my first episode, I'm thinking like, well, why are they, why are they sleeving in the bodies? Why don't they sleeve into like artificial constructs or like sure, like yeah. like have ex- insanely fast reflexes and like fuck it, fuck your combat augmentations. Like essentially, everyone's living inside T800s or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to think of like, well. What would that combat look like if you've got like combat that happens on imperceptible human like like it's it's entirely possible that like two AIs squaring off would look like a blur and then one of them just gets disintegrated. But imagine how gets fucking... torn apart. It'd be look look like a blur and then a cloud of parts come out and that's it. Would Dude, that be interesting? Use that. That would be fucking amazing on screen. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah. Like I don't know because that's essentially how robots... combat in Twilight works and it's not. <laughs> it's goofy. Well, I... It's good. Sure. Two blurs and sure. then someone's head rolls out of it. I mean, but you could do things like, oh, the, uh, Kobash can actually slow slow time down to see right. things. Like when it's perceived through his POV, right. it's actually slow enough for him to catch, you know, right. and see the details. Whereas sometimes you could show it in insanely fast motion and sometimes Kobash right. view. right. No, it's 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 tough because you know that's like I was talking to you before we started recording this. I'm, I started reading Andy Weir, uh, who wrote the Martians' latest book yeah. about this lunar co- lunar co- lunar lunar colony <laughs> called Artemis, and I was praising like some of its like he's got this like really cool economic system that's based on like the cost on everything. The moon is you're paid in these things called slugs, which stands for uh, soft landed grams. Okay. So essentially, they fire like they fire like mag, you know, like like uh, the magnetic cannons from Earth, and they mm-hmm. soft land on the Moon. And the cost of it to get through that process is a fixed amount. So you can just sure. essentially buy and trade those slugs like like that's the real money in, uh-huh. on the Moon. And like that's a really are well- they worth like a lot more than the dollar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, seems yeah. like they would. And that's be. the thing. Like only wealthy people can. That's the hook of the the book is only wealthy people can afford to live on the moon. Yeah. But like a billionaire is not going to pl- not going to unplug his toilet, right, or sweep the floor. Right. So he's got to bring the. You have to bring this underclass of people that are living in up, these. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they still get paid absurdly expensive rates compared to the Earth. But everything's super freaking expensive on the moon. Right. However, also, where the hell is the automation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are people driving Come lunar on, buggies Andy. and and train, and there are people sweeping the floors and they're doing all this other stuff because like if we it, that's the thing like yeah. I don't think anyone like like that even the Martian is kind of ridiculous. They didn't have like maybe it's a cost like like cost per per work value like 
a human can do so much yeah. that maybe it's cheaper to get a human up there than the materials to build a robot to do all the jobs that a human about could do. The floor. We have Roombas. Sure, sure. That like but, I'm thinking, but, but a human can do can sweep the floor and also make you a meal and also do a thousand other things. You right, know? right, right. I'm so saying maybe you, you definitely cheaper. you'd have to have, but like they do pay people to sweep the floors. Why isn't a Roomba doing at least that part? Yeah. So like it's even the best hard science fiction gets surprised by how the world <laughs> actually ends up working. Sure. Yeah. Um, like even Star Trek. Look at Star Trek. Star Trek is uh, up until the current. All of Star Trek is uh, um, completely ridiculous mm-hmm. because Gene Roddenberry didn't know how dense we could store things and how fast we could transmit information. And like he envisioned the Enterprise of these flying supercomputers that you have to program with isolinear chips and all that stuff. And that's that's just ridiculous. Yeah. None of that would actually happen. In fact, the fact that we're flying a, a starship with thousands of people and their families is ridiculous. You, it would be large. That would be <laughs> largely automated. Yeah, you know, right, right. You've got you've got you've got a society that can that can build something like data, but we still have chief engineers crawling through Jeffrey tubes that are built at human scales and mm-hmm. like what the fuck, you know. That's kind of why I'm interested in a lot of near future stuff at this point because th- that's only accelerating, right? The mm-hmm. the idea that you can predict the future is getting more and more ridiculous right. because of how fast technology is changing now. Right. In right. the 80s, like when we first had our personal computers, we could say, ooh, think of how the world is going to be changed sure. by this one piece of technology that has gotten a little sure. bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now it's like every other day there's something new to consider in technology. Yeah, yeah. And God knows I couldn't write anything no, that no, would I not couldn't. have plot holes. That's one of the reasons I – that's one of the – I mean, that's honestly one of the reasons I haven't written creative more because I get to this stage like, oh, that's a really cool concept. And I start thinking about it like, well, that's stupid. That would never work. Right. And then I can't. it's unsolvable. And instead of just being like, fuck it, where I'm going to make the story like that, I, I get locked up and yeah. kaboom, kaboom. So that's how it goes. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely I, I've 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 heard through the grapevine uh, called J- Jim Jones. That season four or episode four is kind of like what I always say is like, you know, we, we always say when people are like, oh, well, you know, Leftovers wins all these baldies and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, I saw his first episode and I don't get it. And I'm like, I always tell people like, OK, if you get through the the third episode mm-hmm. with Doctor Who uh, and you don't like it, then bail, because that's that's essentially right. everything the show has to offer. It's just more and it's just it's just more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode four, I guess, is that version of this series episode. so i've so i've read yeah so i, I want to at least go watch through season uh episode four to see if you know plus once i articulate these concerns like i mean they'll either answer them and great or the storytelling around them will be so good that you forget about it yeah um but i don't know because if neither you, of those things are true we probably won't watch it right 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 <laughs> and then the other thing is like i thought that like this was a single shot book and like there's it's always hard to like adapt something and then like what are you going to do with future seasons but i guess um i've also found in my research that this is a whole series based on yeah. this uh kovach uh, character so it seems like it would have legs if uh if if the legs are sturdy and worth walking on yeah uh and i'm excited to watch the rest of it mm-hmm. uh, and we'll definitely be back to talk more what? about it regardless of how far we get what do you think about the sex and violence on this show? Um, I thought it. I thought it was actually uh, well done. I you thought know? it's well done too. I'm somewhat surprised that. How am I trying to say this? I like, don't think it was particularly more violent than anything I've seen before. No, no. I mean, so so far, I'm, I'm more talking about the like 
350 years in the future, everything still is recognizably this modern, like in art, like like contemporary. Like okay. all of their mm-hmm. like the the strip club looks exactly like I like if I went back into Roman days uh-huh. and went to a whorehouse or a strip club or whatever and, and anywhere the, the the escorts and sex workers of the day hung out it would not look anything like a modern day strip club yeah why does a strip club three hundred fifty years in the future look like I mean just exactly they got they got guys looking through peepholes and jerking off they've got neon signs everywhere they've got gross like on the nose. You know, thank you for going to the jerking it off. I hope you come again. And, like, mm-hmm. why hasn't any of that stuff changed and evolved any? <laughs> I, I mean, I was reading that as, like, the, the seedy, like, he's in the really seedy places. But hmm. I, it seems like all of San Francisco maybe? is seedy. Yeah. At least Which, below the clouds. So sure. maybe that's what it is. Because, like, that, uh, you know, that's, I guess that's the truth. The, like, the, the upper crust culture is still, although, I mean, uh, Mrs. Bancroft is running around in a see-through, yeah. essentially sheet. Uh-huh. So it's not everything. Is I just wondered, like, if she's got her best bull and branch on. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get to ideas. Like, it seems like when, like, like in in Edwardian and Victorian times, right? When when social mores were very buttoned up, mm. like the private life seemed like it was a lot looser, yeah. and like the fiction was a lot more scandalized, and you know it was very popular to have like you know pulp fiction kind of stuff, and um, you know there's public executions and whatnot. But then, like when society becomes a little less repressed, then uh, like this is the, there's a response to that the entertain like I think it changes the culture and entertainment and this is, seems like it's open and in your face to to like everywhere in San Francisco is essentially the red light district of Amsterdam right so like what is the corresponding balance that brought to society because what is it's tough to if, tell because if I, everything is sexed to the nth degree what is sexy like I was kind of expecting to see the upper class people. Like, 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 extremely conservatively dressed because that would be provocative. Like, oh, I can't yeah. see what her breasts look like. But nope, nope, they're just pretty much out there under uh, thin gauze. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that, I mean, Kovach is actually seeking out those kinds of places actively, mm-hmm. but you're right. Even above the clouds, you've got the scantily clad Mm-hmm. Uh, wife of of Bancroft and Bancroft, when he comes into a meeting room, he's just hanging dong, like fully naked, like doesn't yeah. bother to put on clothes before he starts addressing all of his workers. And yeah, it's it's weird because it's well, it's like this this idea of what what is this shell, right? Like mm-hmm. what what is the sleeve to me? What, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to my family? And they do touch on those concerns, which I think is you know, like I said before, the sleeve stuff is some of the best best considered stuff. Um, where they they start to ask those questions. Yeah, do you So I want to there's another question I've I've tried to ask like two different times and I keep uh I keep thinking of something else I want to talk about. But how does Kovac does Kovac value his Kovac does he value his life? I don't think so, no. Because he's, I just theory that he he values his life as much as anybody does. But hmm. he he knows that his best play is to do this devil may care. Like, like if the threat, if the rich guy threatens him with cold storage, his best plan is to be like, well, fuck you. I don't care. Right. But that's because not the rich guy see. expects everyone to be like, Oh my God, not that. Oh my God, not that. Like, cause there's, there's, there's flashes where like he's had these confrontations with these rich and powerful people who could end him and give him the true death or whatever, where afterwards it seems like he's a bit shaken. And also it seems like he does believe in this mission that this, uh, 
uh, fucking falconer woman has given her. Yeah. Um, so he, he, I, I think he does value his life and feels like he has a mission, but he's playing this like devil may care just to kind of mesmerize the rich I people. No, I don't think he does. I mean, we see a scene of him where he's ready to shoot, blow his own stack out, right? And the only reason that he doesn't is because the falconer lady comes to him in a vision and says, don't do that, stay on mission. Right. That's like, my, I don't think that's he cares whether he lives or dies. Well, I mean, so I guess it's... To the extent that that Falconer person is a part of him, because that's the other thing is like I I, I don't know how much of this is um, an inner monologue he's having, and how much of this is like some kind of weird fusion of his like right. slightly paranormal abilities. But like, yeah, the unit that is his psyche and his sleeve and his special abilities <laughs> okay. combined doesn't want him to kill himself, or he would have killed himself. Sure. So sure. I feel like that's kind of the interesting thing that the that Joel guy is act as is, is, I feel like he's doing a good job of playing that. Mm-hmm. Like he's wearing he his his like well fuck fuck you put me in cold storage is kind of like his leverage against the rich people and the police and all this stuff mm-hmm. because it's a shocking attitude that no one no one in this world has. Right. Like even the even the the hard bitten military vet who's trying to avenge his daughter values his life enough not to throw it away because of the impact it would have on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But this guy, this Kovach guy, is stands aside that he really doesn't fucking care. Uh, did you get the impression that except the, for he does <laughs> the woman in the first episode who's killed during the firefight with the Asian might Kovac might actually secretly be the Falconer? Yeah, that she was her. As they can, they haven't stat, they, they haven't, haven't confirmed that, okay. but I, I mean, it I don't almost know why. certainly yeah, yeah. is. Right? I, I'm. Although this show tells you not to believe anything you see, or yeah. Hear, so. the, the, <laughs> Let the, the experience wash over you. I, I want. I, I I also feel like there's a little bit of hint of the fact that she, the way they talk to each other, that she was sub, not subservient, but she was less experienced and less connected, and he was like the boss. Yet in the fal- in any time where she appears as the falconer, it seems like she was always the leader. Right, absolutely. So I don't know why uh, they would be having these private conversations as if uh, Kovach is the you know senior mentor and she's the follower that has less abilities and let you know and and. Well, I mean, she could be his superior officer and also have less abilities, like. Physic, like sure the the envoy thing that she happens. might not be a part of that right she might just be the commander of the unit of envoys or whatever right 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 okay um, i think that i i definitely had i'm just not sure yet i definitely had that thought as well i just like it's it's hard it's you know we don't know enough to be sure mm-hmm. it also could because he refers to her as a he refers to her as a friend in a later like when he's talking to that one girl at the envoy holocaust museum it's also possible that that was his sister um, oh yeah his younger sister yeah. Because don't they have, like, flashbacks of them playing together and stuff? I think so. Okay. But it's tough because, again, uh, are we sure that – are we sure that um, Kovacs – was he always an – was he born Asian? I think so. His first yes. name sounds Asian, but his last name I, I doesn't. I think this – I want to say this is the first different sleeve that he's been put into. Uh-huh. Huh. Because he survived whatever battle took out the rest of the envoys, right? Yeah, but – I guess, but the, but then they, again, they say the envoy, one of the envoy special abilities is they can jack into all kinds of different sleeves and be combat operational from day one. So like, but they're his using freak that. out in the beginning of seeing himself as a, as a white dude. This seemed odd based on what I found out later about his abilities and the life that I think he would lead as an envoy. Yeah, so it'd it's, be like James Bond waking up in a tuxedo and going, ah, you know, like having. Well, a, well in the book, apparently, it's like a, an identity thing, like an Asian. 
like he wants to be an Asian man, not a white man. He identifies as that. So he's very dismayed by the fact that he's put into a white man's body. Hmm. Uh, Apparently, I haven't read the books, but that's that's what I read in an article. I wouldn't mind a little bit more of that, like why that would be the cultural attachment to your race and identity at that point. Yeah, and I wonder how how far into the sleeving generation uh, he he was locked up during. Right. Like, is this something that culture had adjusted to, that society had adjusted to, this mm-hmm. idea of sleeving, or was it a pretty new thing at the time? Yeah. Because that could explain why he's so freaked out about it. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, there's a there's a, just we like you said, we don't have enough information. But, but 250 years into the future, it's clear that sleeving is just the norm, right? Like mm-hmm. the there's um there's also like a class disparity here where the wealthy can just take on sleeves. They don't really have much attachment to their bodies. Right. In fact, um, you can up there's there's you, advertisements right. for people to like they're like uh, car upgrades. You know, or like there's yeah. like these naked women saying, "Put your wife inside me," and then the implication right. being, "Then put yourself inside your new hot wife." Uh, Whereas I could see the attachment to the body in the lower class because they can't afford to resleeve. Mm. You know, their body might be the only body they get simply because they can't afford to buy a new one. Yeah, that's interesting. That like that's one of the few kind of like gen- lotteries like re- genetic lotteries like you can be born beautiful that's such a huge advantage and if you, in a future where you can be resleeved you yeah. know you can look like some fucking asshole right being wealthy is the only like real right advantage being you born can, wealthy you, you can look like a grotesque being and then afford to have a, a hot new sleeve right um but then like yeah what is this how does society adjust to that like it's like kind of crazy like when Tom, like you know, when Tom Cruise gets his teeth invisaligned, you know, when he's forty, uh, like isn't that weird? Like you're one of the most conventionally beautiful people on the planet, but like you want to, you want your teeth to be perfect now. What? How do we feel about or that one girl from was it like Flashdance who had a very distinctive nose? Oh yeah, and yeah. then she got it fixed, and then she didn't really because like that's the thing that made her special. Like I wonder, like what is what does the paparazzi think when? Some dude re-sleeves into a different look, as I like talked about. Like, oh, who are you wearing? That's literally, a really good question. Yeah, <laughs> what skin? What skin are you wearing? Literally, I don't know. There's a lot of like interesting societal questions that the show does not seem to. They haven't to, addressed to, in episode to address two. Or touch on, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see if they do. How dare in they? Future episodes. How dare they? They haven't given me all the information. Yeah, in the first two episodes. Sons of bitches. I'm oh, out. Speak. I saw that uh, Alex Graves is another. Uh, Another uh, Game of Thrones darling, a little bit more controversial hmm. than M- Miguel Sapochnik, is uh, credited as a director of two upcoming episodes. I think that okay. episode three, for example, coming up. Maybe AMC should take a look at some of these shows and say this is how you uh, crew up correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> you take directors and writers and producers from other well-known, popular, successful TV shows and you right. do that, as opposed yeah. to taking unknowns from SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, although I, there were rumors that this show cost $150 million to make. All right, Walking Dead could afford it. That, you know what? <laughs> the, that That's tantalizing, the idea of what would a $150 million season yeah. two of Walking Dead look like. Mm-hmm. Probably not even as hard. And har- a 10-episode one at Probably that. not, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, what but, are you going to do? All right. I was I was gratified to see that this is not the cursed 13 episode season of Netflix cuz like yeah. every time I see that a little part of me dies inside because I'm thinking this is not the ideal number of episodes to tell the story. This is just what Netflix wanted contractually to hit whatever fucking metric they've got. Yeah. 
Uh, I, when, as soon as I saw his 10 episodes, I'm like, all right, I, I, I feel like there's not going to be a lot of uh, fat on, on this here carcass. Yeah, and it's not actually – I don't think it's produced by Netflix. I think this is one of those Netflix originals that is oh, really? purchased yeah, Interesting. from another production company. Yeah, I guess it's been in like 15-year development hell. Has and it? yeah, like it's it, and it finally the rights to it lapsed, which is how uh, Laida Laida um, huh. was able to to snap it up. Okay, but yeah, she did. She you know got some of the best in the biz, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But um, you know, are we entering a golden age of science fiction now? I hope so. The Expanse. Yeah. We got Alton Carbon. We got Westworld. We got Star Trek New is Star back Trek. and and compelling. Like science fiction is dormant for a long time. Just like fan. In fact. Well, in Star Wars, if you want to throw that hat into the ring, yeah, you know, like uh, fantasy was dormant for a long, long time, uh, and then it came back with the Lord of the Rings, and then it's it's not really ever gone away. And I kept on thinking, like, I, I like Lord of the Rings, uh, I like Game of Thrones, but where's me my sci-fi? And see, feels like in the last three years, it's just you like, black, you know, they black mirror, Blade Runner, they got Black Mirror. There's a lot of really quality science fiction shows on right now. Travelers? Travelers is okay. Well, they had the o, the OA and like yeah, yeah. Uh, Sensate. Like, there's a, there's uh, been a lot of really high concept, good science fiction. I'm just waiting for the automation based one. Mm. Yeah, something something like automation based. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's called. Uh, so Jim and I were talking about like we're you know two episodes in, we're not entirely sold on the show, and I don't, I don't, and, but we're not saying that the show is unsaleable. But what I think what we're going to do is we're going to watch the rest of the show, come back and do a wrap up of season one of Altered Carbon, and if we really like it, then it will be uh, making the the short list for consideration when it come out for season two yeah. in some way, kind of the same way we did for uh, Stranger Things, yep. and I wouldn't eliminate the idea of a season one rewatch leading up to season two because that seemed to work really well for Stranger Things. Sure. So uh, that seems like a perfectly cromulent way to go forward. Uh, and that's it for our thoughts on Altered Carbon for right now. We'll be back in some indeterminate period of time to finish it up, and there'll be more Bald Move TV to come. I know we still want to talk about Star Trek, which I haven't gotten around to seeing yet, um, but we'll be getting that uh, real soon as well. And until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.